So ideally, depending on your technical project, you want to build out your project plan on how you're going to support all of that development work without taking away from the Agile methodology. Hello and welcome back to Tech and Startups, the premier growth network for technology leaders. Let's get started. Okay, so welcome to Nicole Hudson. Nicole brings value to clients with her focus on business, transformation, process engineering, uh, and project management. Her diverse background and experiences provide a unique perspective for innovative solution designs. And she's here with us to share with us the power of process, how process feeds productivity. Take it away, Nicole. Thanks, Alex. And I want to thank Bo also for a great intro. And I think our our two presentations are going to align very well together. So we're here today to talk about the power of process and really how process feeds productivity. So first, what is productivity? What's high productivity? We know that efficiency is doing things right, whereas effectiveness is doing the right things. High productivity is when you're doing your work in both an efficient and an effective manner so that you're producing as, as much as possible in a high quality, uh, high performance sort of fashion. So first, a little bit about me. I am a self-proclaimed process nerd. Um, I have both my undergraduate and my graduate degrees from Boston University in economics, and I view the world through supply and demand um, and therefore focus my career on process engineering, project management in our financial industry. So I'm also a certified project manager and have a certificate in change leadership. At the end of the day, project, uh, process, project, and change management are what I see as the keys to success in both our personal and professional lives. So I say both personal and professional because our life is a series of processes, not just our work life, not just the operational processes within a day job, but also just how you run your day-to-day. So one process you might use is your daily commute, How do you get to the office if you go to an office or what is your office? Um, What is your morning routine? Do you meditate? Do you have a morning playlist? Um, Each individual person has their own process that they follow every day. Um, I gave a similar presentation like this to a group last year and we talked about all of the different processes that you could use to brush your teeth. Um, And we came up with three or four different methods of brushing your teeth where the steps were in slightly different orders. So every person has their own individual process and you can look at each aspect of your day-to-day life as well as your work as a series of processes. While everything is a set process, the only true constant we have in life is change. So, Because our world is constantly changing, we have to adapt. Our seasons are changing. The markets are changing. There's new competition. There's competitors who are going out of business. Our supply and demand levels change. There's so many different pieces that are affecting our day-to-day process that we need to constantly be adapting and changing to align to what is happening around us. So in order to cope with change, we must adapt. So think about how you would adapt to having meetings canceled or getting budget cuts. Or if we think about those of us who are remote, when you go to a new city, how are you adapting to the new place that you're in, where your new workspace is, if you're working from home, et cetera. So I'm going to try to play a quick video here on adapting to change, and hopefully everyone can hear it.
You know, if you're a football coach or any coach in any business, you got to be consistent. You got to believe in what you're doing. You know, some people get too rigid. I think you got to be flexible. I think that's the key to success. You have a game plan going into a football game. Here's what we're going to do. Oh, we get out there. Oh, the other team's not cooperating. They're not doing what we thought they would do. They're doing something different. How do you adjust? Are you flexible enough to adjust? Do you understand that if you keep doing the same thing, you'll have no success? I think that's one of the great things in coaching, to be able to adjust, to be flexible enough to say, hey, my preparation was great, but it's not going to work today. I got to do something else. When you can do that as a coach, I think that's when you're going to become a success. Be flexible. Make adjustments. Everything in life is not rigid. Because if it's rigid or break. If it's flexible, it'll bend. And that's what you have to do sometimes. You have to bend. Don't break. So I'm sure many of you can relate to that, where there's different changes that happen, no matter how you've prepared for things, a new change came into play and you have to adapt or bend and be flexible so that you don't break. So all of us know that there's many different schools of thought. We've seen in the chats, people have thrown out um, agile development, lean, there's Six Sigma, lots of different thoughts around process improvement and process design. But as you look at all of the different schools of thought, I really think that it comes down to six key steps to be successful in managing your projects, improving your processes, and making sure that everyone is on board. So your senior leadership, your users, um, anyone who's going to be impacted by the changes that you're implementing. So first off, it's really important to just accept the change. Realize that there is an opportunity for improvement. That acceptance of the opportunity is what's going to help you become more successful rather than fighting against it. Once it's been accepted, you want to uh, identify what the issue is or what can be improved. So really understand and analyze what different options you have to better your processes, because no matter how good our processes are today, all of those changes I've talked about are going to cause our processes to change in the future. Um, from there, you wanna design your process. So you wanna map out the ideal yet achievable process. There's a lot of opportunities out there where you can map out the absolute ideal that could take 20 years and millions of dollars to implement. The most important thing in my opinion is planning and designing something that is achievable in a shorter timeline so that you can make a positive impact and not be um, behind in future technology developments because of how long it took to implement a new design. From there, planning is extremely important. Outlining all of the steps that are needed to achieve what your end goal is and then implementing, following along with your plan, making sure that you're including change management throughout the way. And as Bo really spoke highly of was measurement. You have to be able to evaluate your success. And that's also gonna go earlier in your six steps to align with how are we selling this? How are we getting everyone on board to make these changes? So those six steps can be applied both to your personal process improvements in your day-to-day -day life, as well as the, the projects and processes you might be working on within an organization. So this feeds your productivity in a few different ways. First of all, it's goal-oriented. It really helps you to set your vision and your end goal and have a very clear scope so that you stay away from scope creep. Same thing with an organized plan. It helps you understand what your steps are, understand all of your different interdependencies, as well as any bottlenecks 
so that you can plan for it and make sure that the right people are aligned at the right times and you're moving forward in your project accordingly. And with those things, it provides a clear path to success. You're able to measure were you successful or not. You're able to show this is what we've done over this period of time. This is how we're impacting the bottom line. So those six steps really feed into high productivity. So I'll provide a quick example from a day in my own past corporate life. Um, first, we had to accept the, the issues. Um, so I've been in the financial industry for the majority of my career, but within finance, there's constantly changes to the industry regulations. We're constantly looking at how we can cut costs because the industry regulations cause our costs to skyrocket in our operations. Customer demand and satisfaction is always very, very important. And our customers are, are very demanding and they want the best. So how can we continue to evolve with them and meet their or satisfy their needs? And you're changing workforce. We've talked a little bit about it in the prior presentation, some more tree in different offices. So there's a lot of different aspects that we need to accept to identify what change was going to be made. From there, we identified that to align with all of those changing aspects of our world, we needed to improve our quarterly reporting process. So the different financial reports that have to go back out on a quarterly basis to our customers. So we knew that our existing process worked, but it could be better. We worked through and documented what the current state was and made sure to outline any improvements. So where were their user complaints? Where were we duplicating data? What was taking a long time? What kind of customer complaints did we have? What were all of those different things that were feeding into the process that since we had to make a change, we could improve? We worked through all of our dependencies. So as you can imagine in financial reporting, we pull data from a lot of different places and need to put it into different formats for different customers. So we worked through what all of those dependencies were and what the sequencing would need to look like and then conducted additional research on the rules, our company goals, user complaints, new technology advances. Technology is changing daily, so there's always new opportunities for improvement there as well. Once we had identified all of those, we worked on our design. And the most important part, in my opinion, when it comes to designing a process is making sure that it's both flexible and adaptable because of how much change is constantly happening on a day-to-day -day basis. The more flexible and adaptable you can be, the more you can adjust on the fly to any of those outside changes that you can't control without having another big technical project or needing budget for more tweaks and changes or things like that. So the more flexible you can be, the better. Um, we focused on how we could eliminate steps in the process, how we could simplify the system from a user experience perspective, how we could automate things and remove a lot of the manual work, as well as reuse existing data. We, at that point in time, had been entering the same data points over and over. So we were looking at how could we really enter the data once and reuse that data and then automate from there to pull the data that was available. And then enhanced our business rules for decision points, again, to remove some of the manual work and really automate it. 
a, a big user experience aspect of this was our, our workforce was changing. We had a lot of younger people coming into the roles that were managing this work who didn't want to do a lot of the manual work. They wanted the technology to be automated. They wanted the technology to pull the data and simplify their jobs so that they could work on more interesting and more important matters than just pulling data from one place and copying it to the next. So all of those aspects went into our design. Then we worked through our project plan, and the most important aspect being our stakeholder buy-in. We had to get our senior leadership on board, and we had to get our users on board, because once we were able to get them on board and get them excited about the change, they were championing the change. They wanted it. They were telling our other users about it. They were excited for it. They wanted to have a better process end-to-end -end and adopt the new technology rather than sort of fight against it, which is an issue in a lot of projects. Um, we worked through our technical implementation. So we had a number of different resources from external vendors to internal technology teams to our change management liaisons, et cetera. So pulling all of those pieces together and laid that out in a clear project plan, including our testing, quality assurance, and communication, training, and rollout change management. Um, change management has a lot of different aspects to it, and the more you can pull in all of your users and impacted stakeholders and get them on board, the more successful your projects and your process improvements will be. Then came implementation. So we had our detailed timeline that accounted for all of our interdependencies, all the different systems we would have to pull data from. We had buy-in from the right people so that if we had a delay, we could escalate. If there were issues, we could get the resources that we needed. We had regular check-ins and follow-ups. When it comes to project management, it's really important to keep your stakeholders engaged and aware of where you're at, because then if you do have any setbacks, they are in the know and it doesn't become an issue later on. Um, you have to hold yourself accountable to your project plan. Make sure that you're hitting your dates and if you're not, understand what's happening and why so that you can approach it from a different perspective and move your project forward. And then from a project team perspective, make sure to celebrate your milestones. The more you can celebrate that and help people feel engaged in the team and like they're making a positive impact as they're going through all of the work, the more engaged they're gonna be with the project and the more excited they're gonna to be to move it forward. And from there, we started to measure. So we wanted to make sure that what we had done was successful as well as be able to show those benefits to our leadership, partially to show that the budget that we had requested was used well, and partially so that they trusted us for future projects when we came to them and said, hey, we wanna do this, we need this amount of money, this is what we think it can do, we had another project that we could back ourselves up with. And um, so that goes along with being a part of a cost center, which operations generally is, it can be hard to get budget and get your projects move, moving forward. But if you can get everyone on board, show measurement from past projects, it's more frequently that you'll be able to get that budget. So from our project perspective, we were able to improve our speed to market. Our goal had been to be under 10 business days for distribution, and we got some down to as low as three business days, and our most complex items still stayed under 10 business days. So that was a huge win. We also saved over 300 manual hours per quarter of the team that had been doing the manual work, and we were able to eliminate over 1,800 data points that were entered on a quarterly basis by automating a lot of that data. 
So this is what we were able to show to our leadership to say, we've done a good job, we've been successful. So in my opinion, there are certain keys to success. First is planning. You have to have a really strong project plan to be able to move forward and you need to understand all of those interdependencies so that you can align to your project. The best processes are repeatable. And you don't wanna put a big technical implementation in place for something that's not repeatable regularly. So you do wanna find the aspects that you can repeat time and time again so that it makes the best impact. Um, simplicity, the simpler it can be, the better. Um, so as I mentioned before, and I can't say it enough, change management will make or break your, um, your project implementations. So make sure to focus in on your ability to get your stakeholder buy-in and get your users engaged and excited for those changes. So with that, Alex, I will pass it back to you. I'm gonna stop sharing and open up for any questions. Awesome, thanks so much, Nicole. One of the things that really stood out to me was the, the steps that involve accepting and being flexible and adapting. It's very zen yes. and very necessary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And let me ask you, Nicole, where are you in the world right now? I am currently in Cape Town, South Africa. Awesome, welcome to Africa, so, Cape Town, South Africa. Yeah, uh, and what services do you provide? Um, so I am a freelance consultant and I focus in on operational process design and strategic initiative implementation. So working with companies who are your sort of in a startup phase and they're looking to build up their operations to support their ability to scale. Um, brand new companies who just have no operations and want to have something to start with. Um, and then bigger companies or older, more mature companies with process improvement opportunities and really looking at it strategically and pulling in what should that overall strategy look like and how do we improve it? And then how do we pull the technical pieces in and pull the project team together to implement. So really looking at strategic operational design with the ability to support implementation as well. And Nicole, how can people find you? Um, the best way to find me is either on LinkedIn, which should be on the Tech and Startups website or via email, which is at um, njhudson6 at gmail.com. And I will happily type that in the chat once our session is over. Sure. And we got a question from the, from the chat here, Nicole. How often should you check in on whether how you're in alignment with your timeline? Do you check in weekly, monthly? And maybe so it looks I, like the follow-up could be, what are you doing to make sure you check in when you want to? So um, ideally, check it daily. You want to know what needs to be done that day. You want to know what got missed. You want to know what dependencies you have. So that if something is behind schedule, you can say, oh, this piece is behind schedule. Say, say you're doing furniture delivery as a project. If an order is behind schedule, placing the order or the payment on the order is behind schedule, what are all of those downstream dominoes that are going to fall and then get pushed back a few days? And as those things happen, what does that mean to what you're going to do each day? And are there aspects that you can of your project plan that you can move around? If you're not going to be able to work on a piece of a project because something is delayed, what can you do on that day with your extra time? And how can you manipulate your project plan to support what you need to deliver and not just push your date out every time something happens? 
So it goes back to really being adaptable and flexible, but the more frequently you can look at it, the better. If you have a project manager, your project manager should be working on your, your project plan on a daily basis. If you're running your own project plan, it depends on how detailed and in the weeds you get with all of your steps. And do you think there's a difference between a daily check and a check that happens? Um, is there is there like a daily a ritual for the daily check or something that's different between that and something you might do weekly or monthly or at an extended yeah. period? Yeah, depending on how you set up your project plans, if you set them up with milestones, so big chunks of work that need to get done by certain dates, you can look at your milestones more on a weekly or biweekly basis, so long as you're looking at it daily and know that you're on track to hit the milestone. But you always want to know that you're on track. So here's a challenge question I'm going to give to you, and I know you can handle it. And this is what it is. So you, Nicole, are a certified PMP. You yes. are an expert in project plans and timelines. And something else I know about you is that you work in software companies um, that are famous for wanting to adopt and feeling very strong in agile methodologies. And so I want to ask you um, how you reconcile the, the timeline with um, the concept in agile that sometimes really fight against timelines. They do, and it, it's a struggle to have Agile and a clear project plan really play nice together. It's like two bullies on a playground, they need to make friends. Um, that's where your project plan has to get a little bit lighter. Um, things like change management may be in an Agile format, may not be in an Agile format. When it comes to the change management, that's extremely important, and you want to make sure that is very clear throughout your project plan, and you've got your dates. When it comes to agile development work, the technical side of it, it's going to be, you're not going to know all the details. You're not going to be able to put everything into your project plan. So it's going to be more milestone based. So you're going to have a sprint and the goal is to deliver a certain amount within that sprint or a certain kind of MVP or most uh, minimum viable product within a, the first sprint. And you're going to build on each sprint. So ideally, depending on your technical project, you want to build out your project plan on how you're going to support all of that development work without taking away from the agile methodology and that flexibility of saying, these are the stories that we're going to get in for this sprint. Here are the stories that are going to get pushed to a different sprint, knowing that you're going to have sprints either every three weeks, four weeks, every company and group is a little bit different, but you want to build out your project plan to support how your sprints are being run and have generally a target date for when you're gonna to start to push things out to users. So to build up to your minimum viable product, that may be technical development work that doesn't get to an end user until you truly have a basic user interface to show them, right? So from there, you can build on that and that's when your change management comes into play. And from a project management perspective, it really becomes more about corralling people and making sure that the right people are engaged. And that's where the product owner role and the project manager role really have to be in sync and working together in a partnership because you wanna make sure that what the development team needs from the business is available to the product owner and the product owner is getting all of that data and that information and pulling that together so that you can align to your project plan and keep development moving forward. So a lot, of, a lot of moving pieces when it comes to Agile. Yeah, something that stands out to me is that you're making a plan that 
you're thinking about how to support the development cycles. So it may not be what the development cycle needs to do. It's what we're going to have available. It may not them. be what they're delivering. Exactly. It may not be this is what they're delivering on X date, but here's how we're supporting them. Here's we need to be able to get at least these stories. We need to know that our backlog is prioritized for them. We need to be available to answer their questions. Um, and then it really becomes a partnership between the development team and the rest of the project team. So your PM, your business partners, your um, change management people, if you have support systems like that, um, it really becomes a partnership. And the more you can support your development teams, the more the development teams can support you in telling you when things are coming, when they'll be able to implement and what kind of information you need to start talking to users. But your project plan also starts really early with your project plan can start with day one saying, we're gonna go out and get user feedback. We know this is an issue. We wanna know what their biggest complaints are. So you wanna start engaging your users and your business stakeholders early and feed that into your project plan as well. Your project plan is not specifically development work. Okay, one more question for you, Nicole. You are a, um, a process automation expert. What sort, of, what sort of tools and tips are you using to um, automate the process of project management? Yeah, so it, it really depends on the project. I have done a lot of work in my career on marketing automation specifically. Um, I've used in the past a tool called Aprimo, which is a marketing automation tool. Um, it's a workflow engine, but there's a number of different workflow engines out there. Aprimo has workflow and a number of other marketing aspects that go along with it. There's also some companies out there like Workfront that is more of a project management tool. Um, there are true BPM tools out there, business process management tools that are super strong business rules engines. Um, each company, each project is going to be specific based on the level of expertise and skills their, their company has and what they're looking to do. So for example, a true BPM tool, if you don't have a developer who knows that system and can keep it up to date and adjust it on the fly, then you may not wanna go that route. You might wanna go with something that has a, a simpler user interface where you could have somebody like me come in and build out, this is our business rules. We don't have to code it, but we can build out a decision tree. Um, in terms of project management tools, I personally use Excel. Um, project, uh, Microsoft Project is good as well, um, but I find that Excel pretty much does everything you want. And then you can have, I have all my measurements in different tabs. I have my user impact list for all my change management in its own tab. So it kind of allows you to keep everything together in one place. So I find Excel to be extremely useful. Perfect. Thank you so much, Nicole. Nicole, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and for joining us from uh, the other quadrant of the world. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, we're going to allow Nicole to sign off. We're going to get ready for Lindsay. We're going to take a four-minute break while we get her all set up. We've gotten some fantastic insights on strengthening your team. But what about other ways you can strengthen your team? I've assembled an eight-page guide on the four quadrants of strengthening your team with key insights from more than 11 veteran tech team leaders. To get yours, grab the link below this video. I'm so glad you joined us today. If this video was helpful, give it a like. Go ahead and subscribe and hit the bell so that tech and startup videos continue to show up in your feed. 
I'll see you in the other videos.